Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 24 about Eleazar and his secret prayer that he made in his heart that shows how he was a praying person and how we too can be a praying person that lets others know. Now, we want to encourage you to download this message today at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Download or listen to all the messages from Friendship with God and Tom Cantor for free at our website, again, friendshipwithgod.org. And also, you can download the iTunes podcast of Friendship with God and get all the messages free on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, Passover will soon be here as well as Easter. And Tom Cantor has incredible teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. We want to encourage you to pick up this teaching on the Passover to give to any Christian or to a Jewish unbeliever at Passover time to help them see the truth and evidence of the scriptures in who the Messiah really is. Now, if you've never really studied the Passover and the importance of someone having their own personal lamb and the Jewish customs behind the Haggadah, we want you to pick up the personal relevance of the Passover from Tom Cantor. This teaching is yours and available for a gift of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. We'll send this to you. So call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here's and Tom Cantor. this gave a great teacher. assurance to Eliezer that Abraham was trustworthy because when Eliezer saw in Abraham a holy life, he had confidence in Abraham. And when others see a sinful life in us, it destroys their confidence to follow us. Now that's not to say that Eliezer didn't see sin in Abraham's life. There was enough of that. But Eliezer saw in Abraham with his sin a quick repentance and a cleansing from sin. His attitude was different about sin. You know, one time there was a young girl in Scotland who wanted to be baptized and the elders at the church there were really kind of questioning whether this girl was saved or not. So they brought her in for this, you know, questioning session, and they said to her, are you saved? And she said, oh yes, I'm saved. I'm saved by the blood, saved by grace. And they said, um, were you a sinner? Did you know you were a sinner before you were saved? Oh yes, I knew I was a sinner, she said. And they said, well, are you a, still a sinner now? And she said, oh yes, I'm a sinner now. I'm a sinner saved by grace. So then they said, well, if you were a sinner before you got saved, and you're a sinner now after you got saved, what's the difference? They said to this girl. And the way she put it was so good. She said, the difference is, before I was saved, I was running to sin. After I'm saved, I'm running away from sin. (laughs) This is Abraham. Abraham, he was quick in his repentance and his cleansing from sin. And so he says, the Lord before whom I walk. Now, Eliezer had seen that Abraham lived his life as if he was walking out in front of God. He saw a holy life, and this gave him confidence. Now, in verse 40, he told them that he had this great confidence because he also told them, remember the angel. Remember the angel of the Lord, and he's going to be with you. That was the reason why he was going to find a wife for Isaac. It's because of the angel. In other words, Abraham was directing, it was going to be the angel's work. It wasn't going to be your work, Eliezer. It's going to be the ultimate linchpin in the whole thing. But it was going to be the angel's work, he said in verse 40. And that made all the difference in the world for Eliezer. Because Eliezer, to getting a wife for Isaac was, for him to know, is ultimately not going to happen because of Eliezer, but it was going to happen because of the angel. 
So it took a lot of stress off of Eliezer, and it made the job more doable for him. He was still very much involved. He was very much in this with his whole heart and soul. But what Eliezer was saying to the family was that he was going to bring a wife because of the angel, because of the angel of God. We get all stressed out in life because, because we don't trust enough in the work of the Holy Spirit. Just like Abraham told Eliezer, Eliezer, trust the presence of the angel and the work of the angel. So God's advice to us is trust the presence of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. So when Eliezer saw that, he was essentially removing himself from the work and he was saying in the final analysis, getting a wife for Isaac, he's going to be a work for the angel. And notice in verse 41 how he further removes himself from putting pressure on the family when he told them, verse 41, then thou shalt be clear from this mine oath when thou comest to my kindred. If they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. Now, we don't quite, the way he says this here, you know, as we talked about this, we don't quite remember the conversation that way between Abraham and Eliezer. It's not quite the way we remember it. You know, we remember that Abraham told Eliezer that the woman was not willing that he'd be cleared from that. But Eliezer has added this, that if the family's not willing to let them go, that he'd be clear. So, you know, what do you have to say? Well, he's just being quick on his feet. And he's thinking, well, Abraham probably would have said that. Also, so that's good enough. <laughs> anyway, now Eliezer, he doesn't know this family. He's just met them. But he tells them something that they did not know. And he didn't have to tell them this. Eliezer did not have to tell them this, but he tells them anyway, which is Genesis verse 42, 24, 42. I came this day unto the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way, which I go. So he could have just said, you know, I, I took an oath from Abraham, bring back the wife, and here I am, so can I take the wife back, please? Give me the woman. But instead, he's decided to really tell them about a secret prayer that he made in his heart. And it shows that Eliezer is, is very open about being a praying person. And he's happy to let everyone, you know, I'm a praying person. I remember a long time ago, we had a former employee who sued us in California Superior Court, and the lawsuit said that the top management of the company, they pray, was in the lawsuit. And she felt abused to work in a company that prayed, because she didn't pray. And so the judge asked me, you know, when we were with the judge, is that true? Do you pray? And I said, we did. I said, if that's a crime, we're guilty as charged, you know. <laughs> and in that same session, the judge turned to her and caught her in a lie, so threw the case out. But Eliezer said he prayed, and he went into detail about how he prayed, and he told them that he prayed to Abraham's God, and he asked God to prosper his way, and he told them about this proposal that he made to God. In verse 43, and he tells them, verse 43, he says, he said to God, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, I say to her, give me a, a little water, that she'll say, oh, drink, and I'll give your camels to drink also. That's the one. Now put yourself in the family's shoes. You haven't met this person before. You haven't heard anything about him. And so you're all ears to hear, uh, hear what he's got to say. He starts out by telling, by telling this prayer. He says, well, I told God. He says, behold, I stand by the well of water. And you're thinking, God needs to know that? <laughs> you know, like he can't see? You're standing by the well of water? Okay, so I hope it gets better from here. Then Eliezer, he tells them this proposal he made to God. And he tells them that when the virgin comes to draw water. Now, by the way, he calls the woman the virgin. And if you look back up on verse 16, he says, calls her a virgin there too, and he describes her as the woman that no man had known, and that made her a virgin, of course. Now, the word used in verse 16 for virgin is the word betula, but here in verse 43, he calls her a virgin, but he doesn't use the word betula, he uses the word alma. 
which shows that Betula and Alma have the same meaning of virgin. And in the prophecy in Isaiah 7.14 about the Lord Jesus Christ, where it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. She calls his name Emmanuel. That's the word Alma, the same word that Eliezer used to describe uh, Rebecca that no man had known. So the family, they're listening. They're listening to this, and they hear him say, he's going to ask the woman for just a little sip of water out of her pitcher. You know, as a woman is hardworking, as a lot of chutzpah, this man comes along and says, give me a drink, a little sip of water out of that pitcher on your shoulder. And so they're thinking, boy, this man comes up to Rebecca and he points to the pitcher on her shoulder and says, I want a, just a little sip, if you don't mind, please. You know, and so, and the test was not only that the woman would not be offended at having to take the heavy pitcher off her shoulder to give him a sip, but that she'd go further and she'd offer to water all his camels. Now, giving water to all his camels was really something. And they're thinking about this. I mean, and they're thinking, boy, did she really do that? No wonder she was coming home so late. You know, because we don't know how many camels were in Eliezer's group of men there. It was more than one, because it says camels, probably up to ten. So let's just say there were four camels, you know, we don't know. Now, her pitcher probably held about five gallons, and that was pretty heavy, you know, an arrowhead water bottle, five gallons, weighs 40 pounds. And her pitcher was probably not made out of arrowhead lightweight plastic, you know. It probably weighed at least another five pounds, so we're talking about 45 pounds here in a pitcher full. Now, a thirsty camel, we're told, of course, you all know this because of the camels in your backyard, but (laughs) thirsty camel can drink about 50 gallons in three minutes. They can suck water. They're good at that. So when Rebecca gave water to his camels, what did that exactly mean? That meant that Rebecca had to lower the bucket into the well down there, crank up, let's say it held five gallons, crank up 40 pounds of water, pour it into her pitcher, carry this 45-pound pitcher over to the camel trough, empty it in the camel trough. I don't know how long that takes, you know, five minutes if you're really, you know, like, uh, you know, like uh, Rebecca Serena Williams or something like that. And she would have had to have done that 10 times for each camel. That's 10 trips for a camel. So if there's four camels, that's like 40 trips there. And it's carrying the equivalent of one ton. You know, that's a lot, right, Richard? Even you can't carry one ton. <laughs> and so it would have taken four hours. So for four hours, Eliezer is watching this amazing sight of this woman, and it says she's haste, 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 who's running to do this back and forth 40 times, the 45 pounds, and the water, the well, the, and the cranking, and the pouring, and the lifting, and the carrying, and the dumping, and the back and forth, and back time. No wonder the proposal was so outrageous. If there was a woman who volunteered like that, no doubt she's the one the Lord's appointed to be the wife of of Isaac because that's not normal. And he says in verse 45, as the family's listening to this outrageous proposal that he's made to God, when they hear him say in verse 45, before I'd even done speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca comes with her pitcher on her shoulder. She went down to the well. She drew water. I said to her, let me drink, I pray, etc. And so he tells them all this is going on in his heart. So when he tells them he's speaking in his heart, he's telling them, there's no way that Rebecca heard me. I was not speaking out loud. I was speaking in my heart. He hadn't even finished his prayer to God when Rebecca appears and the whirlwind starts. 
she appeared so quickly that, you know, he was supposed to say, uh, remember that he kept saying, I was going to ask her for a little sip, a, a little drink, a little drink. Well, it says here that he didn't even get the word little out. He just says, you know, let me drink because all of a sudden she's there. I pray thee. And then Rebecca, the world, when she kicks into gear and, and he's just stunned. And so then it says in verse 47, we see that he asked her whose daughter she was and then put the earring on her face. And the reason they said earring on her face because it doesn't say earring, it's a nose ring and a bracelet on her hands. Now, what really happened in verses 22 through 23, as we saw, is that it didn't quite happen this way either. He jumped the gun and he put the jewelry on first. Then he asked whose family was us. We changed it around, but okay, we give him a little grace for that too. All right, so now verse 48 He tells them that his response when he saw all this is that he bows down, he worships the Lord, he blesses God, and he says, you led me in the right way to take my master brother's daughter unto his son. So we see Eliezer tells them that he's worshipped God, and he's bold. He's bold to tell them that it's God that led him in the right way to take Rebekah to Isaac. And notice what Eliezer says at the end of verse 48 to describe what happened at the well. He says that the Lord led me in the right way to take my master brother's daughter unto his son. See, when he says, led me in the right way, he's using a word when he says right there, which is the word, the Hebrew word emet, which is the word for true or truth. And so what he's really saying here is that the Lord led him in the true way, in the way of truth, as opposed to the false way. In other words, he was saying that Rebecca was the woman that truly the woman that God had chosen to be a wife for Isaac. So he's using this, by using this word true, Eliezer is saying that it was for sure that Rebecca was God's choice for a wife for Isaac. Now, it becomes very interesting to us to watch Eliezer because now he's sure that Rebecca is God's true choice for the wife for Isaac. So clearly, if this whole matter from this point was all up to Eliezer, he would just take Rebekah for Isaac and say, this is the will of God, and that's it. But it's not totally all up to Eliezer. And Eliezer is not the decision maker in this matter as to whether or not Rebekah comes. And it's important for us to watch Eliezer because what he does answers for us the question, what do you do when you know something is the will of God, but you're not the decision maker? And that's the case of Eliezer here. It's very important for us, especially in evangelism, because in evangelism, we know that the will of God is for every person to be saved, because that's what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.4, that God who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So when we give the lost person the gospel, and we know it's God's will for him to be saved, there's no question about it. God's will is for every lost person to be saved. God's will is that not one lost person should perish. According to 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if it's God's will for everyone to be saved, and if it's God's will for no one to perish, then why isn't everyone saved? Why is it that there are some that perish? That's God's will for everyone to be saved, and that no one should perish. Then why isn't everyone saved? Well, how come people perish? Because who can resist God's will? And the answer is that God has given to man the ability to resist his will. And when it comes to accepting or rejecting God's salvation offer, God has given man to resist that offer, to resist that invitation, to resist that will. God does not believe in any form of forced marriages. 
And God does not practice forced marriages when it comes to the bride of Christ. And every person who has become a part of the bride of Christ by receiving Christ as Savior has done it by his own will, by his own choice. He had the ability to say no thank you to God and walk away in unbelief, but he chose to receive Christ. So that's the bride that God is seeking for his son. Those who come to him by their own choice, not because they're forced by some irresistible force from God. So what we're seeing in these verses is a lesson for evangelism for how to conduct ourselves when we know that it's the will of God for a person to be saved. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just a moment. We'd like to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's available for free, signing up with your email by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program. You can also call us now or after the program with your support and donation at 800-247-3051, It'll help us to continue airing on this station in your city. You can also call us for a free gift for a lost Jewish friend that you know that needs to be reached with the gospel. Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries will give you a free gift to reach your lost Jewish friend, and that's made available by your donations and your support, but we'll provide that free if you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel. Call us at 800-247-3051. Because Eliezer shows us what to do. First, Eliezer has told them all the reasons that Rebekah is God's choice for a wife for Isaac, and there's no uncertainty in what Eliezer has said. Eliezer is not saying to the family, I think she might be the right one. She's a good candidate. She may be the one. She'd make a good wife for Isaac. You know, she really works hard. <laughs> Look at those camels. But Eliezer is saying, she is the one. She is the one that God has chosen for Isaac. So we see Eliezer here, he's boldly confident that Rebekah is God's choice and there's no question about it. This shows to us that when we present the gospel, it must be with the same confidence that this is the will of God for this lost person to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Now notice in the last part of verse 48 how Eliezer makes it very clear what he's asking for. So in the last part of verse 48, what's Eliezer asking for? He said, to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. He said, this is very clear, what he's asked for. I, I want to take her. That's very clear. I want to take her. And he said, I want to take my master's brother's daughter. Good. You've got a daughter? Yeah, I want to take that daughter to, to his son. There's no doubt in anyone's mind what Eliezer was asking the family for. What Eliezer said, it shows us that when we present the gospel, there should be no doubt what we are asking the lost person to do. We're not just asking the lost person to repeat some words. No more are we doing that, no more than a prospective bride is being asked to repeat some marriage vows and then go home and live alone like she did before. Those are marriage vows that from that point on will change the life of the person she vows or she says, I'm going to have. 
I'm going to hold from this day forward every condition of life. I'm going to love. I'm going to cherish. I'm going to treasure. I'm going to respect. I'm going to forsake all others. I'm going to remain faithful from this day forward. And if a bride came to the marriage ceremony and repeated those words and then changed back out of the marriage clothes into her normal clothes to go back to her apartment to live alone again, we'd say, what are you doing? You know, where are you going? And she said, well, I'm going back home. What? I thought all I had to do was just put on the marriage dress and repeat the words. I didn't think I was going to have to change my life over this. <laughs> it sounds funny, right? We'd say, no, those were serious vows which you promised to change your life. You're going to have, you're going to hold, you're going to love, you're going to cherish, you're never going to forsake your new husband. And if she looked shocked and she said, I don't think so, then we would say, you weren't prepared. You weren't prepared to make these vows. In the same way, if we push a lost person just to repeat words of the sinner's prayer and the person goes back to the same life that they had before after repeat it, we haven't done our job. The sinner's prayers, there are eternal marriage vows to the Lord Jesus Christ. As the hymn puts it, Oh Jesus, I promised to serve thee till the end. Be thou forever near me, my master and my friend. See, the sinner's prayers, they're solemn vows. We're going to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all the heart, with all the soul, with all the mind. We're going to have him. We're going to hold him. We're going to cherish him. We're going to treasure him. We're going to respect him. We're going to put him first place in the heart and serve him forever. That's why Eliezer's words at the end of verse 48 are so important. I don't want there to be any doubt about this. I'm asking to take my mother's brother's son unto his daughter, unto his son. So when we present the gospel... We need to see ourselves as pastors giving premarital counseling and going over the marriage vows and explaining them very carefully, making sure that each point, each part is understood carefully. There's no doubt. You know, I remember when I attended my friend's Orthodox Hasidic marriage of my friend's daughter, that was an experience, to the rabbi's son in New Jersey. That was really something. Talk about feeling a little out of place. It was very interesting. Because during the ceremony, the bride and the groom, they stood under the chuppah canopy there with the rabbi, and they seemed to have this like endless private conversation with the rabbi. It just went on and on. It was a full 30 minutes. And I asked the people next to me, I said, what are they doing up there? (laughs) And I was told, I said, well, the rabbi is going over the vows point by point with them privately. You're here, you're just watching, you don't hear anything. But he's going over them so that there's no doubt in their minds what commitments they are making and the couple is making to each other and before God. And during this 30 minutes, which seemed like endless, Jeffrey, the bride's brother, where he was singing to their side, it seemed like a very long time, nothing was said. That was an important part of the ceremony because that was the eye-to-eye time. That was the eye-to-eye time with the rabbi. That was the eye-to-eye time of, do you clearly understand Do you clearly understand what you're doing? Do you clearly understand this commitment you're going to make here? Eliezer's statement at the end of verse 48 is like that. I don't want to be any doubt. I'm here to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. I'm here to take her away to him. That was Eliezer's eye-to-eye time. Do you clearly understand? Now, we see where Eliezer moves next with what he says to the family in verse 49. He says, if you'll deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me. I'll turn to the right or the left. And so in verse 49... Eliezer uses two words to describe what their response will be. What are those two words in verse 49? He's saying if they agree, they will be dealing blank and blank with Abraham. Kindly and truly. Okay, kindly and truly. Chesed is kindly. Emmet, again, the same word we saw before, is the truth. And if they agree to let Rebekah go, 
then the family would be dealing kindly and truly with who? With his master, with Abraham. See, by saying this, Eliezer is saying to them, I'm just the messenger. It's not me. Of course, I'm interested in your response because it determines whether or not I'll be successful in my mission, but the person who's really more interested in me is Abraham. And your response today is really a response to Abraham. So be sure that you're communicating with Abraham through me. I'll carry your response back to Abraham. I'll do that. And if you agree to let me take back Rebekah to become the wife of Isaac, you'll be dealing chesed. You'll be dealing loving kindly with him. You'll be dealing emmet. Not with me, but with Abraham. It's interesting that Eliezer uses these words kindly and truly to describe the response as their opportunity. This is your opportunity, folks. He could say to the family, this is your opportunity here. What he's doing here, really, he's put two parts to his plea. The first part is the kindly or the chesed part of his plea. The second part is the truly or the emmet part of his plea. And we need to examine this. First part, he says kindly or chesed, which means very loving, very kind way. So first, Eliezer is saying that Abraham is extending to you uh, through me, Eliezer, the hand of chesed, the hand of kindness, and you have the opportunity to extend it back. Eliezer said that if they agreed to let Rebecca be taken, this would be a reciprocal chesed, a reciprocal kind response back to the loving kindness of Abraham. On the contrary, if they did not agree to let Rebecca be taken as the wife to Isaac, then it would be very offensive to Abraham. It would be the opposite of the kindness. It would be a hateful. It would be cruel. And so he's saying that if they don't agree to let Rebecca be taken as Isaac's wife, then it would be offensive, cruel, and hateful to Abraham. And that's a lesson for us in evangelism. Because God's offer for a lost person to be saved and become a part of the bride of Christ is very generous. Another day of incredible teaching here on Friendship with God. If you'd like to download this message for free, you can do so at friendshipwithgod.org. Download this message for free or listen to it. You can also find it on iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, if you're listening online or driving on the go, we'd like you to support this Bible teaching radio program that edifies. Support Friendship with God by going online to friendshipwithgod.org and donating online or calling 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.